0: All right, people, let's get into another rad episode of the IBS Freedom Podcast with your favorite gut gurus, myself, Nikki, and, of course, Amy Hollenkamp, RD to the stars.
1: I had a weird urge to blow a kiss, um, just because okay. that's what Cece does all day. She blows kiss, like, that's her hello, is blowing kisses, and I don't know why. Yep. I just felt the urge, even though I didn't. That's okay.
0: We're going to embrace it, man. I will catch that kiss, and I will put it in my pocket for later. <laughs> so thank you for that. Wow. <laughs> oh, See, you um, upped the ante with a little bit of weirdness, and then I raised the ante yeah, again. you did. You exceeded all expectations. Thank you. I try. I try. Um, well, my dear, it is two months and some change into the new year, at least when the good people at home are listening to this episode. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was... It was perfect timing. It was apropos if we could talk about behavior change, because likely uh, a lot of our listeners have either, and, and I say this with love and understanding and context, but probably a lot of you have either failed at your resolutions for the year or you're at a point in the year where you're starting to struggle and it doesn't feel quite as easy. We don't have that massive dopamine surge from the new year and like new year, new me kind of energy. And now we're getting into actual real life change, and that's challenging. So uh, I don't know. What what do you think we should lead with when we're telling the good people at home about how to actually change their life, how to actually change their behavior?
1: Well, it's so interesting too, because I almost wonder if the time of year also plays into ditching some of the uh, ditching some of your goals and things like that. Not ditching, but like just maybe slowing down or falling off the horse a little bit. I just think it's so gross this time of year. You're, there's not much exciting happening
0: which might help people in Florida and Southern California can (laughs) laugh all you want, but for the rest of us, we're suffering. Damn it. Exactly. And it's, I mean, I feel like by the time you get to
1: February, I'm sick of the cold and it's just, it's been dreary here, a lot of rain. And I I do think that the seasonality of when the new year hits probably doesn't yield the best opportunity either. Like there's that factor in everything. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I, I think One thing we could lead off with that might be helpful is why is it so important, Um, especially from an IBS standpoint? I mean, overall, it's great if you have some habits you want to build and you want to change certain behaviors. Overall, I think is a really healthy thing to do throughout time. But on an IBS journey, I think it's really important because most of you're gonna get the most success if you can work in diet and lifestyle factors and diet and lifestyle habits that can IBS proof your gut essentially yeah. like and I think that y- you can go so far in doing some of these behavioral changes and lifestyle and diet changes. Um, I think the temptation sometimes is like, ooh, I need to find a supplement for stress, a supplement for sleep, a supplement for motility a supplement it's like these things can all be helpful i'm not saying that you can't do those things too but those things can support the process but they're not going to pull their own weight and that's where the diet and lifestyle factors come in and again behavioral change is not easy it's challenging and it there might be weeks where you fall off the wagon and it's can be challenging to reel yourself back in and get back on the horse um but i think you know you have to be mindful that basically the end goal is to where you're thriving and kind of keeping the eye on the prize a little bit of um, you know, if you can kind of consistently incorporate some of these things in, I think you're, you could definitely IBS proof your gut. It's just a matter of behavioral change and continual consistent diet and lifestyle habits. Um, and, and that's the core of what you should do, not the supplemental side. So this is just working on behavioral change and working on things that can help with behavioral change is really probably the majority of the work we do with clients. It's not necessarily coming up with, it's the harder work is working with people and helping them change their behavior, not figuring out what supplements they're going to be on. That's usually a little bit easier than getting someone to change their habits or working on the barriers to to behavioral change.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And we were going back and forth privately on Marco Polo recently about this. Um, I think a lot of the stuff that we see in our world is actually not difficult to treat. Like SIBO, people say, oh, SIBO is so difficult to treat. Mm. And it, I disagree. I think SIBO is very easy to treat. It's people that are freaking hard to work with sometimes. And you're right, it picking out the herbs and the supplements. I, it's a little bit analogous to a medical student going through medical school, and they just have to rote memorize the mm. different medications and the interactions and like the prescribing and the dosing. Similarly, with herbs, you just herbs and supplements, you get familiar with them over time, you start to kind of recognize what they could do. And the And you start to understand, like, what an appropriate dose is. Once you learn that, if you're a good learner and if you have a decent working memory, I think that that side of clinical practice is really easy. It's just that getting a human being to do the actual work that is required to heal is really challenging. Everybody and their brother practically is lining up looking for the magic pill, but not a lot of people want to change what Mm -hmm. actually needs to be changed. And you know, oftentimes, it's the opposite, people will specifically, intentionally, or unintentionally avoid the thing that actually needs to be dealt with. And they will work on anything else, they will spend any amount of money to avoid the thing that actually needs to change, because it's hard. It's hard to change your lifestyle and your behaviors and your habits, but it can be done. Like at as an easy example. I think that we all have habits and behaviors that we do on a regular basis, and we're really good at. And we have other ones that we're working on. So for me, I'm super, super, super diligent about flossing every single night. Mm. I wasn't always like that. Right? Like I probably didn't get super diligent about flossing until maybe grad school, I would say. But now, you know, it's been a habit for so long, I do not miss a day. And it was just a matter of getting that habit ingrained and making it a priority and seeing the value in it. But I did eventually form a new habit. And that habit has stuck with me for, I don't know, 15 years at this point. Um, Versus, you know, one that I'm kind of currently working on is going to bed a bit earlier and working on my sleep hygiene, or exercise, like I'm still not perfectly diligent about exercise, but I know that I can form new habits. And I know that I can do it. It's just a matter of how and when.
1: Yeah, I, I think that that's, that's the core and, and I do think that it can be a learning process when you're trying to change behavior um, and just sort of understanding what activities might enhance your ability to maintain the behavior is crucial because that's where the habit formation comes in is just consistency um, and commitment to the process. And I know we talked about it in past podcasts, but The Atomic Habits book, James Clear's book, he talks a lot about the valley of disappointment. Like, you're not necessarily going to see amazing results if you start meditating the next day that you meditate, but you might feel, you know, way better in 45 days, but it might take you a little bit to feel that change. Um, And I also just think, too, um, (laughs) this is kind of the opposite of what what I was saying, which is funny. But I, I think also just assessing um, some of the some of the reasons behind some of the behavioral changes that you're making too is really important. I know we talked about this just through correspondence over time. It's like
0: you make it sound like we're writing love letters to each know, other. I mean, we corresponded. We
1: correspond all over the time. several states. But you know, if you're just meditating because you want to heal the IBS or you know, improve your gut versus doing something that, that you not saying you have to enjoy every meditation session, but that feels pretty good to you and that you feel pretty good after and that it helps you sort of um, move through your day in a good way. Like there should be some typically other things driving some of the behavioral change too.
0: Can I suggest what one of those things might be too? I think a lot of this conversation actually should be focused around self-compassion. Yes, and understanding and kind of just, I, I think that when I say cut yourself a break, I think sometimes people see that as like, oh, you could just cop out and like, oh, you don't have to do that. Because I don't know, it's like, you had a hard day and you don't need to do that. It's not, it's not about cutting yourself a break and letting yourself off the hook chronically in that sort of a way. But it's like, if, if something comes up, or if, you know, like, I'm going to take exercise as one just because that's one that I'm currently working on. I was cliche enough, I was really good about working out the first couple weeks of the new year. And then I got sick, I got what I think might have been the flu. And I'm still, you know, two weeks later, I still have a little bit of a residual cough, thus the tea that I'm swilling. But I have not worked out in, you know, two and a half weeks, because I got sick. And then we opened up FODMAP Freedom. And I was busy with that. And now this week is a busy patient week. And I'm, I'm being understanding and compassionate to myself, because I know, hey, like, that was weird shit happens. It's okay. It doesn't make me a bad person. My health isn't going to be totally screwed forever if I skip a couple of weeks of working out and I have the desire to get back into it because I feel good after I do it and I know it's good for me and I love myself enough that I want to do this for myself. So it's like I'm kind of figuring, okay, in the next couple of days, I'll, I'll try to get another workout session in and sort of get back on the horse, so to speak, but I'm not going to beat myself up over it and I'm not going to say like, oh, I'm a bad person. Or I'm less than because I skipped a workout for a few weeks, even though that was sort of my resolution for the year. So, yeah, like yeah. when you
1: do fall off the horse, are you, is your self talk very shamey and judgmental and f- stressful? Because mm-hmm. sometimes I think people too will, like in a situation where it might make sense to take the day off, they might stress themselves out completely to do the thing. And then they don't even really get the benefits of what the thing is, because they're just stressed out about doing the thing, too.
0: So that, uh, go ahead. Oh, no, you go. I I was just going to say that kind of conjures up this image that I know we've talked about privately, and maybe occasionally on this podcast, this idea of doing something because you feel like you have to or doing something because it's a treatment. versus doing something because you want to, or it makes you feel good. And I think one of the quintessential examples of this is meditation. I was just talking to somebody the other day. And, and so her eczema is really flared up right now. And of course, she kind of initially went to like the histamine food conversation right away, which is understandable. But I know that stress chemistry is probably the most potent degranulator of mast cells that there is. So I brought up hey, like, how's your stress level been? Do you think that that could be playing a role? And she pretty quickly, like, not in a a bitchy kind of way, but she kind of, like, reflexively came back with, well, I meditate every day. Right. It's like, okay, cool. That's awesome. I love that for you. But, like, (laughs) when's the last time you did something because you just wanted to? Like, when's the last time you went out with friends or went to a movie or had a vacation or or like went to Trader Joe's and bought some junk food that you love and you never get to have. Like when's last time you did crafting or whatever? Like when's last time you had actual just fun, unscheduled, non treatment you time, right? Versus the way that the way that she brought up meditation, it was very much like, well, I take my medicine every day. Right? It's Like, okay, that and that's great. And I'm not knocking meditation. It's just that I find especially in this world, a lot of people do meditation because they think they have to, or they think it's like a treatment versus doing meditation because they enjoy it and they want to and they know it makes them feel good. And right. it's like the energy that you approach it with, it could be totally different. And I think that one is frankly, a lot more therapeutic than the other. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to get sucked in and think that you're doing all the right things, but then have like the the headspace around that thing be kind of warped and not helpful.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think the idea, like you said, where, you know, just because you do meditate, that negates any stress in your well, that life. too and, and it's like, well, that's not necessarily a, a thing either. Like you could still be very stressed and meditate every day for other reasons. But um yeah, I I think it's a really interesting discussion. I, I had a, a call with a new client yesterday. And it was really interesting talking with her because she sort of was stuck in more of a – I would say a slightly more disordered – like had some disordered eating patterns, maybe was very intense about nutrition. Uh, And she, uh, you know, more recently sort of was like, no, I'm going to kind of like let things go, which was healing for her nutritionally. Um, But she was saying that she was also like a very diligent meditator. You know, she had all these habits that she would do because this is what she thought she had to do to get healthy. And um, it was so interesting talking to her because she said, you know, I feel like I get more benefit from going on a 10 to 15 minute walk with my husband in the morning and in the evening is more beneficial to me than doing the meditation.
0: I'm not Um, surprised.
1: And again, like I have conversations with people like that, in in a similar way. Like um, another client I know we've talked about said, guitar was thirty minutes of guitar was the most balancing thing she ever experienced with the nervous system, and she she experimented a lot with yoga, meditation, hypnosis. Like she did a kind lot of, of the things.
0: Cliche like Instagram right approved versions
1: right, and I think again a lot of people will benefit from meditation. A lot of people will benefit from hypnosis, but that doesn't mean it's like the best or only habit that could accomplish stress reduction and stress management too. And that's something to consider as well. There could be different, you want to give something enough time. um, But I do think experimenting or just understanding that there's not like one habit to rule them all that's just going to take care of, things uh, you know for every single person like meditation might not be the it factor for every single person um but you can find something that could be really really valuable for you that might not necessarily be meditation it might be like you said connecting more with loved ones or friends might be the thing that you need in the moment more than doing meditation
0: well and like with this lady she later we got talking about some stress at home particularly with her young children and she she actually said oh but I did go for a walk out in the woods and she said we live in the woods I never I never go out there and it was the first time that I I went out there and I just walked in the woods and I sat on a park bench and it was amazing and I felt mm-hmm. so much better afterwards and I'm like yeah that's what you probably need more of right and and again, I, f- I feel like this episode is turning into us picking on meditation, and it's not. Right. We're fans, believe I love me. meditation. Yeah. But I think in a similar way we said earlier in the episode, I think a lot of people on some level, consciously or unconsciously, I think that they want a pill for stress, a pill for sleep, a pill for motility, a pill for this. And that's not like taking the pills and then having the squirrely stressful unhealthy lifestyle and nutrition like that combination is only going to get you so far right Mm. the the magical band-aid pills plus the shitty habits and the the shitty lifestyle yeah and i think that actually in this sense a lot of people are using meditation as a pill yeah Right, like oh i can have my crappy stress management and i can have (laughs) my stressful life And no time for myself and I can be Mm. firing on all cylinders running myself ragged, but I'm going to meditate for 30 minutes and that's going to like save my ass somehow and I don't know if that's especially true. I think that we still need to build in joy into our lives and that's going to be the ultimate answer for the vast majority of people
1: right like a joy and pleasure deficiency you can't really resolve with just meditating every day yeah. now i think meditation could still be additive in a lot of ways if if there's if you can if you want to do that habit mm-hmm. but for people that lack joy pleasure that kind of thing you might want to work on connecting to things that bring you joy and pleasure more and maybe for some people that is meditation um I don't know, but I think from my standpoint if you're connecting with people you love, hobbies ha- hobbies and activities you really enjoy, nature, again the the lady you just talked about that was kind of connecting with nature and movement. Um so I think again uh, there is a level of connection to that joy and pleasure that's so such a fundamental part of nervous system health. Um That I I 100% agree with you. I think you you have to almost start with that before you do like an additive pill to fix my issue, being that as being meditation in this scenario.
0: I mean, you could even do both. It's just, I would say, don't just do the thing that you think is going to like band aid or treat. Again, I don't think that exercise or meditation or yoga is necessarily going to get you out of the fact that you have a stressful or unenjoyable life right and that's where we need to really infuse joy back into our life um here's a good example by the way i don't know if i showed you this picture i don't think i did um so this is where the youtube the people watching us on youtube right now look up yet again and all of you suckers listening to the audio get get left in the dust you don't get to see this adorable picture um so my daughter was invited to the coolest birthday party Ever on the weekend. It was a horseback riding party. So
1: fun. What? So fun.
0: And the mom who was coordinating it said, Now, if you want to ride, it's X amount extra for you. Do you want to ride? And I was like, Hell yeah, I want to ride. Right. Absolutely. So this is Dragon.
1: Oh my gosh. And he was
0: a very good boy. It's not in focus right now, but trust me, he's gorgeous. He was such a good boy and he gave me a very good ride. And My vagus nerve has never been more toned. It was marvelous. (laughs) And it really made me grateful for growing up on a farm like I did. And I just I forgot how much I love just being in a barn and getting filthy and being around the horses and feeding them carrots. I actually called the place the day ahead of time. And I said, Hey, I'm going to be going to a birthday party at your place tomorrow. Um, If I brought carrots... (laughs) Could I feed the horses after the the ride is done? And the guy was super chill and was like, "Oh yeah, of course." So I kid you not, Jess and I arrived with ten pounds of carrots. Oh my god! And a very whizzled up apple.
1: Oh my god! Donated from
0: my mom, and we after the ride was done, and and they took off the bridles and the bits, and the horses were back in their stalls. We just, we went up and down the whole barn, back and forth, back and forth, just feeding the horses carrots. And, oh and my we, gave, gosh. we gave her horse the apple because he was a very good boy for her. And he gave her a very good ride. His name was Chester, by the way. Oh, He was so precious. Cute. Yeah. Um, like the most mellow little horse you ever did meet. But, uh, but yeah, like just frolicking in the dirty old barn and petting the barn cats and feeding the horses carrots. Oh my God. My vagus nerve has never felt better. It was pray. miraculous. And um, and now we might be doomed. I, it might be too early to say, by the way, but uh, immediately my daughter asked, when could we go back?
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We we're
0: like, oh, shoot. And I told my husband that. He's like, oh, so we're going to be poor for the rest of our lives <laughs> because <laughs> well, horses are an expensive hobby to get yeah. into. So we'll see. She might have fallen in love with horseback riding, though. So pray yeah. for us, please.
1: It was, it's funny you bring that up because my sister was into horseback riding growing up and would go like once a week there's there was a lady joy was yeah. her name where she would take lessons and she actually recently went back to joy's with her son and he was like whoa, whoa. you know he's like two and a half on the top of a big horse like wow like happy as a clam but yeah horseback riding's a f- i always said she did rich people sports and because <laughs> she did swimming uh horseback riding skiing she played piano we we all skied um, okay.
0: Yep. Another point. But I always, I played like
1: softball, basketball, like really kind salt of like... Salt of the earth. Right. Salt of the earth <laughs> sports. I ran cross country, which I don't think really has like a bracket necessarily. But
0: yeah. Well, yet. in the sense that you don't need... a. I think that with the sports that you rattled off, you don't need a lot of equipment, which is key, versus right. <laughs> a horse Tiano, takes a lot of money like to like piano. maintain... And house and similarly, rowing is kind of one of those like, rich person sports oftentimes, because the boats, like, uh, one of the big boats, one of the eights is like, well, I don't even know with inflation now. But when I was in college, 20 years ago. Oh, no. Oh my, gosh. Oh, no. Uh, my 20 year high school reunion is coming up this year, by the way. Oh my I don't know if we're doing anything for it. But that's kind of a weird thing to process. Like I graduated high school 20 years ago. But um, when I was in college, and an eight cost about $60,000. 60, six zero. zero. Whoa. Yeah. And if you have a rowing team, you have multiple eights and a couple of fours and maybe some pairs. So and the oars, you, that doesn't include the price of the oars, by the way, or the docks or the coach boats, or yeah, you can see how rowing becomes very expensive. Now, to put it in perspective, a single, like if you just wanted to row by yourself without a team, a single, I got my single 20 years ago, used for three grand. So it's that's crazy. maybe a little bit more doable. Anyway, we're getting off track. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm glad that we talked about some of this stuff already. Um and I, I like that you actually mentioned early on that we need to examine the motivation for doing the thing. Like, are you doing the thing because you think you should, or because an authority figure told you that you should, or is there something deeper? And this was interesting. I talked with one of my FODMAP Freedom students yesterday, and uh, she went through the program in the fall. So she's done with the program, but she's working on some stuff, and I met with her, and uh after a while, something came up that I thought was interesting. She said she has diarrhea, IBSD, and it's getting better. And she's still making some progress with it. But she even said, she said, if it was just living with the symptoms, she said, I don't actually care. Like I could live like this, and I'd be fine. But I want to make sure that I'm healthy enough to have a baby. And Hmm. I she just got married, and she wants to have kids. And she said her whole motivation for pursuing her health and doing all this gut health work is purely because she wants to have kids someday. And that's really high on her radar. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like that let's, let's talk about some of this stuff. Then let's, let's actually examine the thing that you care about and, and dig into that motivation a little bit, but that's totally different versus somebody who wants to get rid of the diarrhea. And that's their main motivator. And yeah, just that, that was – I knew that that was on her radar, but I didn't know that that was her primary motivation for doing everything that she's doing.
1: Yeah, no, I think that that's really – it's really important to kind of assess where you're at with things. And I do think it impacts your ability to maintain a habit too. Like yeah. if, if you're just doing something to go through the motions and because you heard it's good for gut health and you're just like, oh, I'm going to just like do this because I feel like it's something that I need to check – But I'm not, like, I don't necessarily have a ton of, I'm not drawn to it, really. Um, You know, it, it, I think it could be a scenario where you don't really maintain it as easily than something where, like, for the horseback riding, again, that could be a little tricky, I think, just expense-wise if you did it, like, all the time. But, um you know, if you were like really joyful with horseback riding, maybe you make more time to do that more often. Um, yeah. And you can lean more heavily into that. And I think you're more likely to have success focusing on things that there is an enjoyment factor. And again, it doesn't mean you enjoy it every time. Like, there's sometimes even like I love, I've been loving playing tennis. Like, I find it really fun and there's a social element to it. Um, I, I have two Romanian ladies that I play against all the time and we have a lot of fun. Uh, and you know, some, there's some nights where I'm like, oh, they asked me to play. And like, I'm just feeling a little like tired or whatever, but I'm like, hell, I'll get out there and hopefully like, just, you know, jump into it and enjoy it. And again, I think there's a time and place, like if I really felt bad, i wouldn't go and do it, but I do think sometimes, like, pushing through a little bit of, uh, I feel the urge to maybe skip tonight, but I think once I get there, I'll enjoy it, because I think there is a part of that, too, but the key is you might not enjoy it every single, or look, be, like, super looking forward to it every day. I don't think we're setting that expectation of, you know, you have to be 10 out of 10 enjoying every habit you build into your life because it's going to oscillate a little bit. And there might be some days where you might push yourself a little bit more to like overcome the initial hump of getting to the tennis center, that kind of thing after a long day. But again, whenever I'm there, I'm really enjoying it um, or or enjoying it. And there might be days that I'm enjoying it more because I'm playing really well than other days where I'm like, messing up a little bit more where I'm frustrated. But, you know, I do think consistency is still huge. Um, But overall, you should be sort of enjoying the habit, um, if that makes sense.
0: I think that this especially is going to be applicable with something like exercise. Yes. Where, um, again, with with myself, I could tell you every time I have registered for a gym membership – or, you know, I've, I've tried to register for regular, you know, Planet Fitness type memberships. I've tried to register for, like, Orange Theory memberships. Um, I, I, I briefly joined, like, a kickboxing thing. But I don't think I enjoyed any of those things enough to mm-hmm. really, like, I wasn't into it enough that it was doable for me versus... When I lift weights at home, I feel pretty good. I can put on my K pop music on full blast in my headphones and jam out to Stray Kids or whatever it might be. Um Stray Kids has excellent workout music. If you like K pop, by the way, just throwing that out there. Um, but you know, it's like doing that or doing the fitness martial dances on YouTube and putting that on the TV and like dancing to one of his Lady Gaga videos or or dua Lipa videos, that it's a low enough. Barrier of entry because I could do it in my own house. I'm here anyway. I don't have to go far. And then I could shower and eat right away because I'm at home. So it's it's a low enough barrier of entry. And I do find both of those things enjoyable. Like I find that I'm being more consistent with these things versus any of the times that I got a gym membership and I tried to drag myself to the gym. And even though I would generally like feel pretty good doing the workouts, I wouldn't say that. I enjoyed it enough to like make it a big habit. Um, right. I I think maybe the way to conceptualize it is if we think of a scale where zero is neutral, positive 10 is, oh my God, this is like Disneyland to me. And negative 10 is, is like you're locked in a prison and somebody's scratching their nails on a chalkboard and it's <sighs> literally torture. I feel like for something to actually fitted into your life it needs to at least be somewhere in the positive most right. of the time you know what i mean like right. I, you should I be think dreading that, it each each time yeah you do it. yeah it, like so the workouts i'm doing right now or rowing or like going going on that horseback ride those were all pretty much always in the positive versus when i joined the gym i was kind of more in like the negative five to plus five kind of range right where i either like kind of disliked it or didn't want to do it or I kind of was into it but it wasn't super strong either way and that wishy-washy zone was not enough for me to like generate the dopamine and put forth the effort to actually make it a regular thing
1: yeah no completely and and again I I think it's there's going to be an average so there's going to be days where where you do have to overcome a little bit more resistance compared to some days where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm ready to go 100%. This could be, like, a 10 out of 10, 8 out of 10 day. Um, and, again, like, we all live live. So, like, some days it's harder to get to the tennis court than other days. Um, but, yeah, I, I like the way that you conceptualize that of using a scale like that. Because I, I think you're right. Like, if there is less of an enjoyment period, um, it's going to be hard to maintain some of these habits. And I think you're right. On to exercise is one of those things as well, where um, you're gonna you're gonna need to maybe sometimes push through a little bit of like barrier. I, I think just no matter what type of exercise, some days you're like, oh, I'm feeling like a little yuck. But sometimes movement just generally helps to ease some of that. Once you get flowing, and again, if you like the movement, it's so much easier to maintain. Um, I think, too, having realistic expectations of how many habits you're incorporating in at one time is very important. I know we might have talked about that in the New Year's episode, but I know research generally says you can't really do more than three new habits at a time successfully, or that's kind of on average the limit. Now, some people might be able to do more. Some people might need to be doing less depending on what the habit is. If it's a huge habit change, maybe you can only tolerate one habit change at a time. So that's something to consider too. If you're just trying to do 10 new habits at one time, you're probably not going to have much success either, no matter how much you like whatever thing you're trying to add in. Even if you love tennis, if you're trying to add 10 different things at one time, you might not incorporate tennis as a habit because you're just overwhelmed.
0: Well, and I'm sure you could speak to this as a dietitian, but it makes me think of dietary change and mm. when people do AIP or whole thirty or keto and they're changing like ninety-seven different things about their diet all at once. <sighs> right. Versus if you have somebody try to eat more vegetables, like that's a lot more obtainable and a lot more um like something that you can maintain for the right. long run versus doing something extreme like a whole thirty, but I've like Let's let's hear from the RD people. Don't believe it from me.
1: Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. And I always like clients where we're not necessarily digging out of some huge nutritional hole because it gets easier to focus on some of these. And I think still, if someone's digging out of a hole, we're not going to necessarily do that overnight. So it is small changes, but it is nice if someone's kind of coming more from which sounds a little awkward, like a standard American diet where it's like, oh, maybe you just do need to add in like vegetables and fruit and focus on like additions of simple things versus like, okay, we need to figure out how we're going to like get an extra thousand calories into you when eating's already difficult. Those can be a little bit more challenging habit. Or I guess it's not necessarily just strictly a habit. It's how can we sort of make it easier to, to get calories into at that point. So there can be other barriers to forming the habit. But um, yeah, I mean, I think nutritional stuff, the people that I've seen that are most successful are the ones that are kind of like, ooh, this two-week period I'm gonna really focus on adding these, adding more carbs to my meals. And Amy told me to add in like a potato at this meal and You know, a little rice or I give usually give some options if someone's a little too low carb or something. So like, okay, I'll just focus on that thing for this week. And then it's like, okay, what's the next thing? And I think nutritionally, you can prioritize things differently. So like usually if your calories are low, that should be first priority. If your macros are a little distorted, that should be kind of the next priority or kind of in the mix of the calorie discussion, just so you know which macro to increase. Then micros and kind of like density and things like that, I think typically come later in terms of when I what I do with individuals. There's like some overlap, but um, yeah, I think that the people that are the most successful can sort of like go through that process and, you know, focus on one thing at a time versus like, I need to focus on calories and I need to make sure all my macros are completely balanced and I need to make sure my variety's up and my diversity's up and I need to make sure I'm getting calcium, vitamin E, like all the things that they're low in micronutrient wise. So I think the more that you can have kind of clear goals and move through it in that way where like okay once a habit is established you don't really have to necessarily think about it too much which is the the goal of building habits and again like you maybe when you started flossing it was hard to kind of get the routine down but now it's like second nature i think nutrition can definitely be similar to that um like i rarely think about my nutrition unless there's like Sometimes I'll casually check in on my nutrition and see, like, are there any micronutrients that I'm not necessarily getting a ton of? And I might focus in a little bit more on that. But I do think um, from a nutrition standpoint, the smaller sustainable changes are really important.
0: Yeah, well, and if you think about, again, a lot of the people who do a Whole30 or a cleanse or a detox, they don't maintain that.
1: No, or they're stressed out trying to maintain it, and it's counterproductive.
0: Yeah, and people will usually, not to pick on the whole 30, but they'll do the whole 30. And then on day 31, they oftentimes are so frustrated and burnt out and fried that they ricochet back to their old habits. Mm. And it, and then they feel like crap again, and then they have to do the extreme thing. And it's like, this is why we yo-yo a lot as as a species with our yeah. nutrition, because we're trying to take on way too much all at once. And it's just, it's overwhelming, it's not sustainable, versus, again, if you took somebody who's eating a standard American diet, maybe they would benefit from increasing fruits, increasing vegetables, decreasing grains, decreasing sugar, decreasing artificial processed you know, weird stuff, going gluten free, going dairy free, increasing B12, like maybe they would benefit from all of those 97 different things. But could it be a better starting point to just pick like one or two of those things to have them focus on at a time? And gradually implement this right. and gradually shift their diet over time so that it's more sustainable. I th- I think that that's the better way to go usually. But unfortunately, yeah. that's not what we usually do.
1: And I think too, like, habit change should feel challenging, but not necessarily overwhelming. Um, so that's something to keep in mind too. And And I do find that in the dietary space, some of the habit changes start to morph into people's identities which gets Mm -hmm. a little messy and I think disordered in a lot of ways I think the wellness space sort of takes habits to extremes to where you know they're not focusing on joy pleasure not building those habits in because they're so rigid on you know I have to work out a certain way
0: at a certain level I have to eat organic I have to do this yeah, yeah.
1: It's, it's the same thing we've been talking about, how, it, like, the pursuit of health is the only reason they're doing the habits instead of, like, to live a full, happy, healthy life doing what they want to do. So I think, again, like, if you ever feel like, too, that the habit's becoming a bit of an identity, and uh, I, I don't know if that's the best way to describe it, but you kind of get the sense of what I'm talking about. Consuming how Consuming
0: your life, maybe?
1: Yeah, we, consuming your life. Um, I, I think that that starts to get a little, we don't want the habits to consume your life to where your life becomes smaller. Habits should make your life bigger and allow you to kind of pursue more of what you want to pursue and kind of live a fuller, better life. It shouldn't just be like, okay, my life now is habits (laughs) and that's it. it.
0: Well, yeah, that's a good way to conceptualize it. I think if you look at your life before and after implementing some of your habits or some of your diet and lifestyle stuff? Did it make your life fuller, richer, more enjoyable, Mm. and frankly, more worth living? Or have you found that it constricted your life, it constricted your world, it constricted your, you know, your socializing ability, and the joy and the livability of your life. And I think that Particularly in the IBS and SIBO space, the answer almost universally is that a lot of this crap that we do to kill the SIBO, starve the SIBO, treat the IBS, fix the motility, do the whatever, like it, it usually leads that direction of, oh, it made your life worse. Actually, like the quality of life, the livability of your life, you know, you're stuck at home gargling four times a day to tone (laughs) your vagus nerve when you could be out with a horse or with right. people at Panera Bread. I don't know, like eat the even just Panera out of your house, petting a
1: dog that walks by. You know, like it yeah, couldn't give you more benefit than kind of isolating and disconnecting from the world around you.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that this is all important to cover. Now, let's see. So, kind of recapping because I had another thought in my brain and it might have flown out again, but. Uh, We talked a little bit about what's actually motivating you to make the change that you're trying to make. Um, We talked about, you know, compassion, kind of cutting yourself some slack when it doesn't happen every day. Oh, that reminded me. So the other point I wanted to make sure I shared is that we should probably have a couple variations of the plan or the goal in our mind. So I, I think, especially for the new year, a lot of us have that that external dopamine coming in, and new year, new me. And you know, maybe you you have a resolution that you're sharing with a friend, and you're going to be accountable this year, damn it, this is going to be the year. And you're all like hyped up. Um, when we are making these goals, especially if we're in that really excited, pumped up frame of mind, oftentimes, we'll make these goals with the assumption that everything is going to be unicorns and kitties and rainbows and sprinkles. And we don't always account for the fact that you're a human being with a pulse on planet earth. And sometimes shit's going to get hard Hmm. or shit's going to get boring. And it just, it is what it is. So like, you know, I'm picturing the person who sets a new year's resolution and they're like, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to wake up at 5 30 AM and I'm going to go to the gym And I'm going to crush it at the gym for an hour. And then I'm going to come home and have the world's healthiest breakfast. And then I'm going to get to work early. I'm going to get to work at 845. And then I'm going to, and you know, and they're like laying out the world's most perfect day. If everything goes right. Right. But then again, if you have a pulse and you're on planet earth, things are going to happen and things are going to get weird. What happens when you hit an unexpected turn of events and, oh, you wake up, and you're really, really tired that day. Or you wake up, and it's the first day of your period, and you have cramps. Or you you oversleep, and you hit snooze on your alarm a bunch of times, and you wake up at 8 o'clock instead of 5.30. Or, you know, you could paint all of these pictures, right? Or, like, right. your kid gets sick, and you're up late taking care of your kid. So I think that having three variations of this can be useful. And I've seen this before in social media and YouTube posts and stuff, but I, I think go ahead and have the version of the goal where it's the ideal. It's the perfect 10 out of 10 day. This is like, you're crushing it. You're firing on all cylinders. Everything is perfect. You should probably buy a lottery ticket. That's how perfect it is. Kind of a day have that version, then have the worst case scenario version of the plan right? Like you wake up, you have cramps, you have your period, your kid is sick, and your boss is being an asshole all on the same day. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. what does the plan look like on those days? And how can you support yourself and be compassionate to yourself? And then you can have the middle of the road version of the plan, which is probably an average day. Like, okay, you wake up and you're a bit tired. And you're not feeling super motivated, but you feel okay. Otherwise, And like, you could work on that work project, or you could not. And your kid was kind of whiny, but you got him out the door in the nick of time to get him to school, you know, like, kind of factor in like, what does an actual average day look like for you? And again, what is the version of your goal look like on an average day? Maybe you don't go to the gym for an hour, maybe you do some stretching at home for 20 minutes. Right. Right. Or maybe you don't even work out. Maybe you just get your kid off to school and then you go for a walk around the block instead. Maybe that's your exercise.
1: Right. No, it's a really good point. I think it it pulls in a concept, too, of just meeting yourself where you're at at times. I know when I talk about stress management habits with people, I've generally just seen that the best stress managers tend to be the ones that consistently consistently meet their needs or consistently check in of what do I need today or what sounds good today, factoring in their habits and their goals and things like that. But, you know, you don't have to necessarily meditate every day. You could be doing other things that feel better in that moment. Like maybe you just are really yearning for some social connection. Maybe you haven't seen your friends in a while. Maybe you organize or you call a friend or maybe you um, you know, organize a coffee date or something this weekend so that you can hang out with your friend. Like to me, that kind of stuff to be able to adjust a little bit in the moment, I think is really helpful. In the in in the goal is similar. It's just to kind of you know make you feel your best, fill your cup, that kind of thing. The goal is similar, but there could be a couple different varieties of things you can do. I, I know I describe like a self care like menu, so to speak. Um, things that might fall in the, under the same umbrella of helpful, but different days might, might uh, have different needs, so to speak, or that might, might feel better doing certain things on certain days. Um, and I do think that a lot of really good like stress managers and people that are, that I think are really successful at building like a resilient body and And, uh, at accomplishing their goals can make those adjustments and say like, Hey, I can, instead of, um, you know, meditating today, I can go out and hang with my neighbor. Or instead of meditating today, I feel like I want to do something creative. I'm gonna maybe, uh, do some writing or painting. I'm looking at your, your wall I put something on my wall but my husband took it down. It was a Joe Burrow. Um it was a Joe Burrow illustration. I'll have to put it back up, but I I, I felt good having something back there.
0: I don't even what it the Joe Burrow illustration. Joe Burrow. It's a
1: he's a football player.
0: Oh, okay, that's why I don't I hung don't know.
1: it up here for a few episodes. I don't know if you noticed it. I was kind of like I needed to probably prop it up a
0: little bit more, but I I can't say that I noticed, but now well, I feel like that friend. Shoot, maybe somebody did. Maybe somebody will comment in the comments, and they'll be like, gonna "I noticed." Probably going to be someone baby. that hates Joe Burrow or something. <laughs> no, what I need to do, I need to paint you a damn painting and just slap that in the mail. That's a good excuse for me to get crack a lacquer on the painting again. Yeah, but it's,
1: it's it, for sure. It's hard when there's like a closet behind me, though. Too, it's not necessarily yeah, a
0: wall. True. Um, but yeah, I, I like that you brought up the idea of the self-care menu again. And I think you even brought up the idea that you could print it and like laminate it. And, yeah, put it you somewhere know, you, you could see it. Put it somewhere. And or you could have it kind of mentally in your head, too. But I think that that's a good way to be flexible and beat yourself where you're at. Because case in point, today is kind of a drizzly grayish day. It's not raining, but it's it looks like it kind of wants to. So one of the things on my menu could very well be going for a walk out in the neighborhood. I do enjoy that, but not on a day like today. I probably like I would rather use my yoga mat in here and do a little bit of hip mobility stuff and hip strength stuff or watch watch more K-pop music videos or do some crafting or, you know, talk to a friend. I would rather do those things probably today. But, if you have a list of things that you could do as opposed to just one thing, like okay, yoga is my one thing. this is how I manage stress right. end of list. It's like you could you could be more flexible and malleable, and you could adapt with your life as you live it versus being really like hellbent,
1: yeah, and I think some habit uh habit ideas or philosophies or at least that I've seen online, have been much more rigid. Yeah. You just have to do it. Like, just do it, like Nike says. You just got to so, do it. And I it's see. like...
0: Go ahead. No, you go, you go ahead first. Uh, yeah, I
1: was just... I think that there is that kind of rigid mentality sometimes in the health and wellness space of like, nope, if you're not meditating every day, you're not hitting it. And it's like, well, that's not true.
0: Um, well, and you're doomed. Right. And you clearly don't care about yourself or your health at all.
1: <laughs> right. It um, is funny, like... The amount of advertising in the health and wellness space of like a new product or a pill that like if you don't if you aren't doing it or you aren't doing a particular habit or uh, you don't you don't have this grounding mat like you're screwed. And I think again like it it's just funny. I think that that's the nature of sad way. (laughs) Funny in a sad way. It's not so much a haha way. It's
0: the nature of the holistic space, unfortunately. Where it yeah, everybody's out to make a buck. Oftentimes. Um, I saved this. I'm gonna I'm gonna play a reel. I don't know if this is gonna work really. I'll put my phone next to the microphone so you can just hear the first I feel like Mike's snippets. gonna love this. Mike is gonna love editing this video, for sure. But I saved this. Uh, luckily I have a folder of stuff that I saved for FODMAP Freedom, so it was easy to find. And I think I actually like I referenced this in a FODMAP Freedom lecture when we're talking about this sort of stuff. But this is the exact Perfect vibe that you get when you open up your phone and you're listening to 99% of podcasts or you're on Instagram or TikTok or whatever. And I thought that it was pretty well done. So I'll just, I'll, I'll play you like a clip of it, maybe not the whole thing.
2: By saying, not up by 2 a.m., you'll never be successful. They'll never be successful. Let me walk you through a successful person, aka, me, morning routine. I've got an alarm set for 1.25 a.m. and an ice bath already prepared next to my bed. Immediately upon awakening, I cold plunge. Don't let Big Pharma fool you. You want to spike your cortisol levels as high as possible, as early as possible. I'm dressing out the door by 1.32. I train lower body. I come back, I eat six ounces of duck liver and a pint of egg yolk. Just the yolk, never any carbs. Carbs make you fat. From there I go right into my prayer, right into my breath work. Right Right into my meditation, right into my gratitude exercises, right into my three-week vision board, right into my five-month vision board, right into my three-year vision board. I go back to the gym. I train upper body, and I finish with 15 minutes in an infrared sauna, 15 minutes in a charcoal sauna, and 22 minutes in a steam room. I do four rounds of that. I come back, wake up the kids, get them ready for it. I've done more by 6 a.m. than you've done this entire week. And that is why I have a podcast studio in my home and you don't. Because a morning routine's like this and nothing to do with the trust fund my father set up for
0: me. (laughs) (laughs) But don't you love it? Like It's so true. It's so true. That's what you get. You get bombarded with this crap whenever you open your phone. And then here you are, some normal slob, living your normal life. And you're like, oh my God, I'm failing so badly. You're not. You're doing fine, I assure you. You're doing fine. Well, and again, I, I think that... And again I've I've
1: encountered this a lot with colleagues and just people I've met in the health and wellness space. I feel like a lot of individuals who are that into it are not having a balanced life. Like they're they're relation they're not having as much success in relationships typically. I think they they're again like there's other areas I would say, that are lacking because they're so hyper-focused on the health space.
0: Something's got to give. Right. Probably. Something's
1: got to got to give. But yeah, it's, it's something I've definitely seen working in the health and wellness space where you could just get a sense from people like, whoa, yeah. this person's life is nutrition and fitness and like health and wellness, but there's not much else there.
0: Yeah. Well... And I think that that's a challenge as somebody in this field, because there is there's there's a balance right between practice what you preach and let it consume you. Right. And there is this this kind of ickiness that I don't think gets verbally talked about a lot, but is probably true. Probably. God, and I hope I don't like piss off anybody with the statement. Probably most people would be less inclined to go to a doctor or a dietitian or a health coach who was blatantly unhealthy looking or blatantly overweight or you know like when you interact with them they seem like squirrely and all over the place or not mentally healthy. So there is a very real part of this industry where you you kind of have to look the part at least a bit so that people trust what what you're saying right like if if i tell you guys to do something and i don't appear to be at least reasonably healthy myself you're probably not going to trust that advice as much versus if i kind of look the part a little bit more and so there is some very real like business like business savvy kind of stuff going on here that is unique to the health and fitness field But, again, there's a fine line between that and letting it totally consume you to a point where you have no other life, you have no other identity. It just, it is your whole world. Right. And that's probably not healthy.
1: Right. And, again, I've definitely seen that with some of the people I've interacted with in the health and wellness space. And I think it's unfortunate. Um, And I think it's hard. I think it could be easy to get sucked in, too. It's, like, not that I'm saying it's 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 like I, I think there's been moments I've been too sucked in on certain things. So again, I'm not necessarily immune to it, but I definitely have a way more awareness the longer I've been in this space to be like, Ooh, that person might benefit from stepping back a little bit. Um, Cause they're pretty intense around certain things And it's, it looks a little, maybe potentially disordered. I'm not saying it is, but sometimes when you'll, you'll get, just get a vibe from people.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Vibe check, Vibe as the kids check. would say. Yes. Um. By the way, Amy, we're we're old cronies now because we're both in our thirties. I'm older than you, so I'm like older than dirt. I think. Can I educate you on some of the kid lingo? Sure. Are you? Would you say you're well in tune with the children's lingo these days? Um,
1: I feel like my friends are pretty good about staying so in tune with, with the TikTok lingo, but okay. again, I'm not. I don't know. Tell me. uh, The one that comes to mind is Chugi, but I heard that that's out. Have you heard
0: Chugi before? Oh, I think Chugi is way out. Uh, Yeah, I think is way out. I haven't heard of Chugi in a long time, man. Okay, so you're an old crony like me. So I get my education in this arena because I love Mm -hmm. (laughs) K-pop. And I watch K-pop music videos and K-pop dance videos. And my Instagram algorithm is finely tuned to show me clips of K-pop videos or cute animals. And that's it. So, and, and I will admit, I enjoy looking at the comments section. It's usually a cesspool, especially on YouTube and Instagram, actually Instagram too. But I'll, I'll just like check the comments and I might like one of the ones that I agree with. But, um, if somebody did a good job on something like in a dance or like singing or something, you could say she ate. Yep. Or yep. she ate that and left no crumbs. Yep. That's, that's that like the ultimate compliment. If somebody okay, yeah. says that you ate and left no crumbs, that is like <laughs> Beyonce level shit. Yeah. So, okay. But then a diss, you want to know how to be a troll on the internet yes. and really get under people's skin. You could just leave a comment saying, oh, she thought she ate. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Whoa. So, for example, one of my favorite K-pop groups released a new song and a new album, and the the Instagram account is putting clips of, like, the music video and the behind-the-scenes music video stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was one scene of one of the, the singers, Minnie, and she was, like, doing this dance and, uh, for her part of the song, and somebody commented, oh, she thought she ate. But then everybody is engaging with the troll and is like, she did eat and she left no <laughs> crumbs and you don't know. And I'm like, they're just a troll, people. Just right. walk away. If you don't engage with them, their comment is going to fall to the bottom and nobody's going to see it. But the fact that you're engaging and you're going back and forth with them, now that comment is like the second right. comment on the post. Right, right. Even though all the comments below it are like, "No, you wish you could do what she does," and right. I just I laughed. But yes, that is that is uh, you could add that to your. We list should add of a segment. Insults. We should add that as a segment in this podcast of <laughs> of
1: new age lingo. That's right. Oh
0: god, I feel like that's gonna be the the line, though, where we learned that we officially are old. I mean, I did reveal that my 20-year high school reunion is this year, so maybe I've already outed myself as being an old crony, but. um, I feel
1: like a teen mom, though. (laughs) I do feel like a teen mom, which I don't know what that says about me, but I feel like I, I I, like, internally, I still feel like a teen at times, so I'm like, how do I have a child? I'm
0: I'm 18, right? Oh, no, I feel that I'm 37 and I feel all the time. I'm like, I need a grown up. And then right. And I'm like, oh, no, <laughs>
1: it's it's just I am
0: me. the grown up. <laughs> shoot oh my gosh and, you know it's tax season we're preparing taxes oh gosh pretty right re- so my husband does bookkeeping for the business and pretty regularly I ask him why is grown-up life so hard
1: uh, yeah and that I, comes
0: up at least once a week during tax season and he's like this isn't grown-up life it's taxes I'm like yeah but we're grown-ups and we have to do taxes it's grown-up yeah life.
1: taxes always every time of year they drive me nuts yeah
0: yeah let's let's just death
1: and taxes
0: Yep, that's an old that's
1: an old old saying.
0: Yeah. Oh, can we also have a section at the end of the podcast where we talk about old expressions and old sayings that need to come back? I have one off the top of my head. I want to bring back. But you do you have one that you want to contribute first?
1: Hmm. I don't know if I have one on the on the fly.
0: Okay, well, you kind of just did, I suppose. Um, Mine, I will propose needs to come back because it's a very fun word is cattywampus. Oh, yeah. Classic kind of like kind of fun, kind of quirky. Um, I remember I had a friend at undergrad who would randomly bust out words like that and we'd be like, what? What? <laughs> Did you teleport here from the 30s? And it was just, it was a fun, quirky thing. And, yeah. it, and it's so much of our lives, people. And this is, this actually, this will tie back into the theme of today, the episode, and then we'll wrap up for the poor people and not ramble too much more. Um, I don't know the stats. Because I think the stats that I've seen online, I frankly don't believe, but I do believe that there's a pretty significant chunk of our lives that we run on complete total autopilot, and we've all had those moments, right, where we're driving or we're doing something, and that it's almost like you skip forward thirty seconds and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, like I don't, I don't really remember pulling out of that green light. <laughs> right, hopefully I did it the right way. Or like, Oh, I don't remember walking through the dining room. And yet some here somehow here I am in the kitchen. And it's like, your brain is so good at living life on autopilot and just doing the routine and using those existing pathways. And that's good for when you mentally check out to lunch for a second. And that way you don't go careening off the road. Right. But it's also a little bit tricky, because then here we are talking about behavior change and habit change and changing your life and we have to acknowledge that the human brain is very much wired to go back to the routine
2: Mm. back
0: to the familiar back to the thing that it knows and it's very much in the mode of using existing pathways rather than forging new ones so if you want to create a new habit or change your behavior or change your life you have to be intentional and you have to be diligent, and you have to know that your brain will go back to the old pathways. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when that happens, you need to consciously check in and realize, oh, I did the thing again, Hmm. and then you can consciously bring yourself back over to the preferred new pathway that you're trying to forge. But it's, it's just, it's neurology at the end of the day. It's it's nothing more than that. Uh, Yeah, it's a really good point. It like takes the time for those
1: new pathways to build the habit in
0: yeah and the connections and the plasticity and if you think about it this way in this metaphor if you came upon say you came upon a field or a clearing and you wanted to get to the other side maybe there's like a lake or something on the other side which way would you go if there was a well-forged pathway on the right side And like all the grass and, you know, the grass and the weeds were all stomped down. And it was a nice pathway. And somebody went through with like a machete and they hacked and made a nice pathway. And there's no debris, no bushes, no raccoons, no nothing, no snakes. I live in North Carolina, so I should throw out snakes as an idea here. Would you take that nice existing well-forged pathway? Or would you bush hack your way through the weeds and through potentially snakes to to get to the same exact lake. Obviously you're going to take the well-forged pathway, but that's what your brain is doing. Your brain kind of doesn't know any different in a way. Like you're like, your brain is like, Oh, okay, we're going to the same lake anyway. I might as well use this pathway. And it doesn't realize the benefit of the new pathway so much. But if you can, you know, you walk on the pathway once and it doesn't look any different. You walk on that pathway 10 times and the grass is sort of stomped down a little bit and you can kind of see the path. Now you walk on that pathway a hundred times and now you have a pretty solid pathway that can almost rival the other pathway. And maybe the, the first pathway is getting overgrown with weeds and maybe there is a snake living in there now because it's not getting used. Right. Right. And eventually you could shift so that the new pathway becomes the best pathway. But it takes time, and you have to stomp the grass down, and you've got to bushwhack a little bit to get there. And in the beginning, it's not going to be easy, and you're barely going to notice a difference.
1: Yeah, I think it's a really great analogy. I think that that's right on. It reminds me of a song that Cece likes that goes, dinosaurs have great big feet that stomp, stomp, stomp. So when you were talking about stomping down, yeah, that's where my brain went. I don't know what pathways... Uh,
0: it being utilized. It would be interesting to see your brain before and after CC between the sleep deprivation and the airplanes and now the dinosaur song. Um, it's interesting what's filling up your brain nowadays. I will raise you one. Uh, so Jess likes to borrow my phone and listen to music while she showers. And and she kind of jams out a little bit at night with with my Amazon music account. Uh, lately, do you want to know the song that she's really into? I actually really do. Tell me. There's a song, and Cece might enjoy this. It's raining tacos. Oh, oh. excellent. And it's, it, it's I, I'm not going to try to sing the whole thing, but it's like, It's raining tacos. Uh, something I forget. But then there's a part where, where the guy is like, Cheese, 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 <laughs> cheese. It's, <so> st- <laughs> it's painfully stupid. She loves it. Oh, my, oh my God. This is like the highlight of her life this week in particular. She is saying, She asked me to print out the lyrics for her so that she could sing along um so yes that's what's on loop in my brain right now that is a new k-pop song that i like
1: cc's a a big fan of a song called do the propeller it's a wiggles song she requests that frequently she also likes um just the happy birthday song any person's birthday if you want a birthday wish we were singing the neighbor or neighbor gloria's birthday She was singing that at 3 a.m. last night when she wasn't sleeping. She was singing Happy Birthday to Gloria, and I'm like, I don't care about (laughs) Gloria. Go to sleep. Um, Yeah, she likes Twinkle Twinkle. She likes kind of all the hits, I feel like, but Do the Propeller's not necessarily a hit. It's a unique wiggle song that she's obsessed with.
0: It's probably a hit with this age group. I don't even know, but... 3 a.m. That's when you call Gloria's ass up. Yeah. And you just put her on speakerphone. You're like, here, Gloria! And you throw the <laughs> room in, the phone in with Cece and you're like, there, you're babysitting now, Gloria. Right, night. Exactly. <laughs> she's talking about you. You want to come over? Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, uh... Yeah, she's been really into Gloria and the neighbor dogs. She gets well, it can't very excited. On the animal
0: front, that's for sure. Humans are questionable. but Animals, universally, are... Well, Gloria is our our neighbor.
1: She's older. She's about like 82 or 83 and she puts toys out for cc on her stoop which is really cute and she'll buy that's new cute. stuff so it's like a surprise so like that's cute and the other the other like littler neighborhood kids so like the two to or i should say like cc's younger than that but like the one to five-year-olds will come and play at her stoop it's cute
0: that's adorable uh-huh. yeah it, it, she's so Gloria's out- a
1: good one Gloria's a good one
0: yeah, she sounds like a winner. Okay, so don't torment her at 3 a.m. then. Yes. Let let her have the cute, the cute stoop playing without the three a.m. wake-up calls, I suppose.
1: Yes, we'll we'll let her sleep.
0: All right. Well, my friend, we strayed a little bit, which is not atypical for us. Uh luckily for once in our lives, I have to applaud us. I think we got ninety-five percent of the content of the episode out there before we went on our rambling tangents so that was pretty good so hopefully people got everything they needed out of this um as always we will see you in the next episode but amy do you want to remind the people where they could find you on the internet instagram yeah, handle, website you can find
1: me uh at amy underscore Holland Camp underscore rd um i had to think about that for a minute maybe it's a lack of sleep uh it's <laughs> your name it, it is my name um so, yeah, I've been posting more too. So, look out for that fresh content. Gotcha. And your website,
0: I always forget, is your website the SIBO Diaries or SIBO just, Diaries?
1: Just SIBODiaries.com. Uh, and then I have another website called SIBORepair.com, but there's not tons of
0: content on there. So, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, likewise, uh, you can find me on YouTube and Instagram and theoretically tiktok but i don't really post there much these days uh as gut microbiome queen so gut.microbiome.queen is the handle and um yeah that's that's most mostly where i hang out those those couple of platforms youtube especially and here on the podcast and then um i'm kind of shifting some stuff with my websites a bit but i have a lot of stuff in the link in my bio on instagram and and youtube but it's uh www5 backslash social has a lot of stuff. I've got a lot of like freebies and links to all my channels and social media and the the work that I do. So go ahead and check that out if you feel so inclined and we will see you right back here for another rip-roaring episode of the IBS Freedom Podcast. Until then, toodaloo, do you want to, do you want to salute them with a CC blown kiss together?
1: Oh, yes. Mwah.